We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Jacob Albrocht, Tommy Castor. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. Welcome back in Reaction Monday. Hour number two, kicking off here. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster, Jad Chambers producing for you. 869-1240 is the number to call to get in touch with us here. And we are shifting gears a little bit here to open the second hour with some college hoops. And let's talk about the uh, the big headline winner over the weekend because it was a top 15 showdown as Kansas thumps Indiana 84-62. to they did that with Indiana having one of the best bigs in the country in Trace Jackson Davis. And, Tommy, I think if, you know, the concern had been Kansas and how they'll play teams with good bigs, which was the concern, right, against Tennessee, they really stepped it up in this game. And now all of a sudden you're beginning to see the chatter again for people all over the country like, oh, well, maybe Kansas could repeat here. Which, look, I, I've been on – I like Kansas this year. I think they've got to, you know, work through figuring out how to be a different team than we've be, seen them be over the years. But, you know, sort of the good news for that, Tommy, is most of these guys outside of Jalen Wilson and Dewan Harris, you know, K.J. Adams played a role certainly last year. But, you know, there are a lot of new key pieces that they don't have to, like, try to unlearn and, and do new things. And they'll be fine. I, I think this team's dynamic and unique in what it can do offensively and they're coming along defensively, just 62 points allowed to Indiana. Again, with that dominant big man who blocked nine shots, by the way. Uh, so it wasn't like he had a bad game. He was great. Uh, he's an All-American. He's going to be. And Kansas did just fine. They, they beat him and beat him bad. Yeah, the way that they decided to go in and, and stop Trace Jackson Davis was to double him in the post. And that seemed to work. Uh, one of the big concerns was, okay, you double him in the post, and then you're going to leave somebody open at the perimeter to try to take a shot. And it just so happened that Indiana wasn't able to make a lot of those shots. And uh, Kansas closed out pretty well to be able to prevent that from happening too. But the way this Jayhawks team wants to play is they want to get out and run. They want to play in transition. They want to play fast. And they did that. They were able to make that happen against Indiana. And the way that the Jayhawks are able to have that athleticism really come to the service for them 
is to get out and play quickly. Dewan Harris is one of the best point guards in America. And the way that he facilitated, he got into some early foul trouble uh, and then was kind of out of his rhythm, turned the ball over more than I think that uh, he would like to. But there were some passes that he made in that game that were filthy. They were beautiful. And that's what the Jayhawks were doing. They were finding the extra pass. They were making that extra pass and they were converting and it worked for them the entire game. Uh, There was a stretch where Indiana got back to, I think, within 10. uh, But that's the mark of this Jayhawks team with their athleticism, the way they shoot the basketball and how quickly that they play. They were able to extend it right back out uh, and get a really comfortable victory. It was uh, it was impressive. It really was impressive to see. Um. You know, Indiana's good, and and they were at home, yeah. and I get it, but, you know, it's another Grady-Dick game, right? 20 points, 4 or 5 from 3, but 8 of 12 overall from the field. I think a lot of people are waking up to the fact that Grady-Dick's far more than a 3-point shooter. Six rebounds for Grady-Dick, which was really nice to see. Kevin McCuller putting in a line that you'd like to see from him. Kevin McCuller, Tommy, and Grady-Dick had five steals too, but Kevin McCuller had five steals, uh, 11 points, 11 rebounds. He's starting, I think, to find a groove to really be a glue guy for this team. And, you know, Trace Jackson Davis had Jalen Wilson's number, quite frankly. And this was, you know, Jalen Wilson struggled in this game offensively like we haven't seen him this year. But it was okay because Dewan Harris had some big buckets. And and Grady Dick obviously stepped up. And you had six guys in double-figure scoring. And, you know, if Jalen Wilson isn't the guy, this team showed they'll be okay. And it was just a bad matchup for Wilson offensively. Yeah. I mean, you know, he couldn't get nine blocks like he couldn't get anything up. Yeah. And and that's what Trace Jackson Davis brings to the table. And they were able to limit him offensively. He still got 13 points, um, but he didn't score for quite a while uh, in that first half. And, And so they really were able to lock down on him pretty well. But offensively for the Jayhawks. This was the most telling part of the entire game. I saw uh, the the shot chart after the game, and Kansas took so many good shots, so many efficient shots. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to go back and look, but I can't recall a shot that Kansas took that was like a mid-range jumper. Uh, They were getting shots at the rim. They were able to drive, uh, and whether it was a layup or a post-up with K.J. Adams, they got efficient shots uh, in very close, and then they shot the three, and they shot the three really well, 43% from three, 52% overall from the field. They only went to the free throw line seven times, and they won by 22 points. Uh, and so it was just an incredibly efficient game offensively for the Jayhawks and shooting the basketball. That's something that I know Bill Self is loves and is going to continue to love if this squad can continue to do that, where they're taking good shots either at the rim or from the perimeter and the shots are falling that. And just the fact that they're always making the extra pass. uh, That's a recipe for a big time success for this Jayhawks team. How about Zuby Ejiofor too, who we've sort of heard might be the leader in the clubhouse to be, you know, get that five spot, uh, the most minutes at it, eight points, four or five shooting. And that's a thing too. In games where they're not shooting a high percentage, which has happened, that's, you know, a game where Jalen Wilson might take over. Um, this wasn't going to be that game because of what Indiana was doing to him defensively, and it was okay. And that versatility will be invaluable for them. If they can be as versatile defensively 
as I think that they will be offensively, I absolutely think KU is in the conversation and and one of the odds-on favorite to repeat as national champions. I really do. I mean, their versatility right now that we're seeing offensively, if it can be matched, and it was against Indiana, then then the sky's the limit for this team. We're just so used to seeing them play a certain way for the last really two generations of KU rosters that it's taken a little bit of time to sort of jar loose from that. And and really, it's more than two KU rosters. It, I mean, KU's had some of the best bigs in the country forever, right? For for a long, long time. And they don't have that this year. But they have some really good fours, basically. Uh, and they do have some bodies to roll in there at five. And I think they're going to be fine because Dewan Harris and what he's doing right now is, I mean, if you're an old school basketball fan, how can you not love watching him play basketball? Yeah, uh, Jalen Wilson is that that guy for the Jayhawks that just piles up the numbers. He doesn't maybe look the part of the position he plays, but in the end, his numbers are there. And Grady Dick's a superstar talent. Yeah, and and Grady yeah. Dick has a chance to be the lottery pick guy that can go off at any point. And you're starting to see, to your point, the development of the the five position for Kansas. KJ Adams had 11 points, you know, he's going to give up a handful of inches and we've known that for a long time, um, but he's going to play in that role and he's going to start. And he was able to muscle his way to 11 points and he was able to grab a handful of rebounds. Uh, and so that was good. And then I also think behind him, you're starting to see the rotation off the bench really come into clear form as we get closer to conference play. Zuby Ejiofor had 12 minutes off the bench, and Ernest Uday had one minute off the bench. So I think it's pretty clear that Ejiofor has beaten out Uday for minutes as kind of that first big off the bench for Bill Self. And I think that Uday will continue to develop as of right now. I mean, that could always change, right? But Ejiofor has earned those minutes, eight points and 12 minutes of action for Ejiofor. He looked really good when he was on the court. And so... Uh, yeah, we've had question marks for a while about, man, what are they going to do at the five? And how is this going to work? Edge of four, I think, has answered those questions behind K.J. Adams. And we, we know we know who K.J. Adams is. We know how strong he is, the way that he's built. While he might not have the height, he might not be 6'10", 6'11", whatever. He's going to be effective in that position just based solely off of his strength and the way that he can shoot the basketball. It's... um. It, it it is, and and we're seeing the rotation, and it's an interesting rotation because there's not really like a forward that's playing a ton at the moment. You've got you know Yesifu and Pettiford. Pettiford plays a ton of minutes, which which he should. I really like Bobby Pettiford, um, and they're just going to rotate. It looks like about an eight man rotation. I would imagine it may stretch into nine at a lot of different times this year, but right now it looks like eight. Uh, K State big winners over Nebraska, neutral fort a neutral court, 15-point comfortable win. This is one of the more impressive wins on K-State season. But, Tommy, their rotation's even smaller. They're going like six guys right now. Six guys played 28 minutes or more. And then Tyke Green had 10 minutes. But they're shortening that thing out. We know what we're going to get from them. Keontae Johnson is a star player. Uh, And then at other times, other guys on this roster can be that. And they're playing lockdown defense. And they're doing everything they need to do to be 10-1 and 1 
in this. They're going to get, what do they get, like Radford or something? Yeah, Radford on Wednesday. And then they're in the Big 12 play. Is it 11 and 1 now? Yeah, it's 11 Uh, and 1. If you're, yeah, if you count the, if you count the, the Washburn game, yeah. So we, you know, we get into this and K State looks, I mean, I, I cannot imagine a scenario. I suppose if they were unbeaten, right, we would imagine the scenario of it being a better start. But they lost the game at Butler, it, at Hinkle Fieldhouse. And otherwise, you know, they're kind of showing us what they are. And, and it's really interesting to see them because almost no matter what this season, their defense, other than the Nevada game, their defense has been there at a high, high level. They're up to number 37 in the net. They absolutely look like a tournament team, which is, I think, what the realistic goal was for this season for that team in year one with all the new faces in year one under Jerome Tang. And, you know, they've got a massive big-time class coming in next year. But when they added Keontae Johnson, it was sort of like, well, maybe, you know, maybe this year's team can be really good. And they have been. I mean, you know, especially when you put it up against expectation, I think they've been really good. And by any expectation, they've been good. And I'm happy for them because that was an impressive neutral court win over a team we've seen play pretty well in Nebraska at times this year. And they beat them by 15. Yeah, Nebraska is better than their record indicates. Sure. They've had a pretty solid schedule. You know, they played teams like Oklahoma and Memphis, Florida State, Creighton, Indiana, Purdue. I mean, they, they, so far this season, they've had a pretty solid schedule. They might be six and seven right now, but under Fred Hoiberg, uh, they're better than I think their record indicates. They took Purdue to the wire and, you know, Purdue's the number one team in America and the Boilermakers barely got out of there with a win. They beat Creighton by 10. Uh, And so this is a quality win for Kansas state to go in and beat Nebraska in Kansas city by 15 solid win for the Wildcats solid game. Uh, for Jerome Tang. And I think that when we get into March and the committee is starting to look at quality wins, this might not be the biggest quality win that Kansas State could have, but it's a solid win in the non-con for the Wildcats. And especially as you're looking for a a game that can be a good tune-up where you're playing a high-quality opponent in Nebraska before conference play, uh, I don't think you could ask for a whole lot more for the Wildcats. No, it's it's been really cool to see them come out of the gates and and they're they play an exciting brand and I, they really do and and I I hope that everybody and it probably will happen in the Big Twelve if Keontae Johnson keeps this up, Tommy. I mean he's if he keeps up what he's done so far, you're talking about like an All American here, let alone sure. Big Twelve Player of the Year candidate. I mean he's been fantastic and his story is so good. And that's going to be good for K-State because it's going to put them on the radar and it's going to put them in a position to be in good TV spots and all the things you need to get things, you know, headed to their ultimate goals as as a program. And and it's happening, I I think, much faster than a lot of people suspected. There were there were a lot of people that said, look, K-State could compete for the top of the Big 12. And I laughed at that at the time, not because I didn't believe in the program and where it was headed, because I absolutely do. It just seems so unrealistic. Um, it still seems slightly unrealistic. We got to see him start to play some Big 12 teams, but it doesn't seem out of the question. And we'll see. I cannot wait for Big 12 basketball um, 
for for that reason to see how they stack up against these teams. Is there a more intriguing team in the Big 12 as we get ready to start conference play than Kansas State? Because I'm not sure that there is. I mean, I feel like most teams, we kind of know who they are. We kind of have a good idea of their ceiling and and where they kind of fall in there. Kansas State was picked at the bottom of the Big 12. And here they are in the non-con, 10-1. and uh, And they've got a chance here once they get into Big 12 play to really be one of the better teams in the conference. And, and so I think, I think that they are, as far as the Big 12 conference is concerned, probably the team with the most interesting storyline as we get into conference play, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with that because they're the most, um, I don't know if it's unpredictable, but yeah, I, I agree with your point. We sort of have a good idea of where everybody else stands. We don't really have that with K-State. They didn't play an overwhelming non-con, right? It wasn't a bad non-con. There were plenty of you know quality opponents in there between Nebraska and Wichita State and Butler and LSU and Nevada and you know, we'll see what some of the other teams end up as. It wasn't like it was we looked at it on paper going into the year and thought, oh, what a cupcake. No, they've had they've they've taken their chances against teams that are likely going to be in the mix to make the tournament. But there is still an unknown. Uh for Wichita State, Oklahoma State, they score forty nine points. Um they go one for twenty one, Tommy, from three. Now, shooting poorly at Interest Bank Arena is nothing new from the for the Shockers. But one of 21 from three, 11 turnovers. They actually did a pretty good job taking care of the basketball, which I think is the reason they were able somewhat to stay in the game. That's going to be it for the Shockers. I mean, Tommy, I, they're not going to be good offensively. Um, I don't even know that they'll be like top half of the country good. I don't, I don't even know that that seems reasonable. But again, and Shocker fans aren't going to want to hear this because they they're, they're tired of it, but they're going to have to play high, high-level defense and win turnover battles and win rebounding battles if they're going to win games. And it's, you know, it's going to take, you know, probably a high level from the free throw line, which they were 10 of 15, not bad. It's not going to come in spurts offensively, I don't think, against good teams where they're just going to start scoring. It's not going to be the way that they play. They're 6-5 and five now. We sort of, you know, I, I think we know what they are. And that's a team that's going to defend at a high enough level to stay in most games, if not all games that they play in. And they're going to have to do those other things very, very well to beat good teams. And they're capable of doing it at times. You're never going to beat anybody when you go one of 21 from three. I mean, that's not going to happen. That's just Oklahoma State, who also defends really well. I think they're both top 10 in field goal percentage defense this year. So that was... You know, when, when the Shockers are already offensively challenged and they go up against one of the top defenses in the country, you get 49 points. That's what happens. So not a ton of surprises there to, for, for me. But we've said this before. If you're not shooting well from beyond the arc, make some adjustments. Maybe stop taking those shots if they're not falling. I mean, eventually, you finish the game 1 of 21, right? You're 5% shooting from three. At some point... When, I don't know, maybe you're one of 10 or one of 12 or one of 17, you're like, all right, this is not working. Maybe we need to try to do something different. Uh, and that's just not something that the Shockers did. Uh, it's kind of like, hey, this is, we talked about it before. This is who, this is what we want our identity to be. Whether it works or not, 
we're going to keep chucking them up and hope and cross our fingers that, you know, eventually they're going to fall. And they don't. And they haven't. And here we go. You know, the Shockers are 5% from beyond the arc, and they score 49 points. Um, that That's the most concerning thing for me, is that we've watched them be able to be effective at times in small spurts offensively. They, they've shown that they can do it, not all the time, um, not even most of the time, but occasionally they can do it. But when it's not working for them, there is no adjustment at all. I... I it's not going to change though like we're we're now into the third year of this generation of shocker basketball and they're not all for whatever reason and i i cannot figure it out i don't know why guys for wichita state when they're open don't hit threes it would be one thing if they were just, you know, chucking 30-footers like we saw Tyson Etienne do at times. That was sort of his game. But it would be one thing if they were chucking, you know, deep, contested. They're not. They're missing a lot of open shots. I can't tell you why that happens. I have, I, I legitimately have no idea. I don't know what the reason for that is. It's odd. It's odd that guys make a bunch of threes coming into the program and if they go somewhere else but not while they're here. So – I don't know the answer to that. It's very strange to me. But it is what it is, right? And and so we sit here now. But it shouldn't and be. It shouldn't. That I, shouldn't I know. be. But what it do you is do? what it I, is, right? I, I, I just, I don't know what the answer is. So what I'm saying is it'd be silly to expect anything else. What is the, what is the path to victory for Wichita State basketball? To not turn the ball over and, and continue to defend at a high level. I mean, that's it. If they hit some shots in a game, great. They just they don't do that enough for me to ever expect that anymore. So keep banging the shocker unders and and in and see if they can, you know, they can take care of the ball enough to play the level of defense they do. I, I don't know what else to expect because we've seen it for too long now. I mean, don't you think that there is that it's reasonable to expect that if the shots are not falling in the way sure. that you want them to fall? Yeah. That maybe some in-game adjustments would be necessary. Absolutely, yeah. You can, you can't shoot one of twelve in the first half and then come back out and shoot zero for nine in the second from three. Yeah, uh, can't do that. And you know, there some teams like to shoot three. Kansas State, I think, shot like twenty-eight threes in their game. KU only shot seventeen, right? And they played one of the best bigs in the country, and they still didn't take a ton of threes while they were shooting them at a high percentage. By the way, so yeah, you do have. There has to be some offensive adjustment because again. For whatever reason, guys aren't hitting the open shots here at, at Wichita State. Don't know why. It doesn't make any sense to me. Hasn't for a long time, but it but it ain't happening. So, yeah, you got to find something else. My my gut says get to the get to the rack and get to the free throw line and take care of the basketball. That's it. We'll see. I'm ready for them to start American play too because I want to see where they stack up uh, against the rest of the conference. Eight six nine twelve forty. Uh, college basketball weekend. It was a it was a highly entertaining one. There were good games all over the place this weekend in college basketball, and we're almost to the time of year where there are going to be great games every night as we enter conference play uh, in the next week or so. We'll come back to some of the other NFL storylines we saw on Sunday. Your thoughts eight six nine twelve forty as Sports Daily rolls on on a Reaction Monday. 
phone call is welcome. 869-1240. Sports Daily on 97.5 and 1240. KFH. Time to get back to the sports talk. All right, let's do this thing. Go! Sports Daily is on KFH. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Yuletide carols. Welcome back, everybody. Hope everybody is having a great start to the Christmas week. Uh, It's one of the best times of the year. Enjoy the family. Take care of those that... Might not be able to enjoy it quite as much, and let's all get along, be nice, and enjoy the holidays together. Uh, Football helps us do that, Tommy, even as sometimes it can be maddening and unpredictable and wild and crazy. Uh, We've got college bowl games really ramping up now uh, throughout the season here, and and we count down the days to KU at the Liberty Bowl and K-State at the Sugar Bowl, the NFL. We've got all these playoff races coming down the stretch, and very little has been decided in the NFL. It is, as the weather turns and we look at some nasty stuff coming our way this week, it does help, right, to have a little little football, little college hoops, NBA uh, in full swing right now. The timing, I don't think, is accidental that we use sports as a way to, to get through some of the tougher weather months. Yeah, I'm not looking forward at all to uh, what they're forecasting for later this week. Mm-mm-mm. What, like negative 40 wind chills on Thursday, I think is what I saw. Um, so not looking think, forward yeah. to that whatsoever, um, you know, especially as we get ready for Christmas and talking about potential blizzard conditions. And that's not fun for people who are traveling, uh, you know, need to get into town or out of town for the holidays. But um, I'll tell you one thing I am looking forward to is having a Chiefs game on Christmas Eve and that it's a noon game. I kind of like that. I kind of like starting off Christmas Eve with that game and then being able to slide right into all the holiday festivities. Yeah, it's a, it, it is a weird schedule, by the way. Uh, most of the games this week, right, are kicked to Saturday. And then on Sunday, Christmas Day, you get uh, a three-pack of games. Packers, Dolphins, Broncos, Rams, Bucks, Cardinals. Uh, I think uh, there was a there was an intent to get those a little better than they're all going to be, but that is what it is. And most of the good games, actually, yeah, come on, yeah. come on Saturday. You get Eagles Cowboys this year. Uh, you get Commanders Forty ers ought to be pretty good. Seahawks Chiefs actually ought to be pretty good. And there we go again, Tommy. A nine and a half point spread. Like, what are people watching here? I like, hate how it. could you bet the Chiefs on any of these lines? I mean, they're crazy. When, when was the last time the Chiefs covered a spread? <laughs> it's been a while. You'd have to go back and look. Um, I mean, they, they haven't done it the last couple weeks, at least. I mean, it, it might even go back further than that. I, I, I'd be, we'll ask Chelsea Messenger that later in the week. Like, where do they stack up in spread covers? Um, just crazy, crazy stuff. But looking back again, is, is it's Monday, and we'll sort of put a bow on the NFL week. Um, you know, we, we're trying to figure out who might have a chance. Outside of those teams we mentioned, which, again, I, I think that there are six. I think it's the Bengals, the Bills, the Chiefs, the Cowboys, the 49ers, 
and the Eagles, are we going to allow the Chargers and the Vikings to enter that conversation? I've never had anything. So I did a national shift uh, for CBS Sports Radio on Saturday. and We basically went on the air. Uh, I think it was right as the first quarter of the Colts-Vikings game was ending and went off the air. And in about hour number three, they had completed the comeback. And it was a wild experience to try to talk about that game as it was happening because it was just unreal. Like there was definitely points in there were points in the first half where you thought Vikings explosive offense, they still have a chance here to come back. But when you got into the second half and you saw 33 to nothing and then 36 to 3, it was like, God, they're out of time. Like they're, you know, they they would take five touchdowns to rattle this off. And lo and behold. And I don't know if it's a bigger indicator to the Vikings or a bigger detriment to the Colts. I'm not real sure. Probably both. But are we going to allow the Vikings and the Chargers to enter the conversation of teams with a legitimate chance to win a Super Bowl? Because I think outside of the top six, those are probably the only two still at least sniffing the conversation. Um, are we going to allow them back into that? Are, are they going to be able to reach a point where they can jump into that, which is crazy with the Vikings because they have 11 wins now. But it doesn't feel like they would have a chance against any of those other teams. Yeah, I don't know with the Vikings. Um, I I thought that at the beginning of the season they were talented enough to win the NFC and represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. Um, I think they've got the talent to do that. I'm not backing off my claim on the talent level. They just haven't executed that way. I mean, they're winning games, sure, but there have been a couple of games that they have looked absolutely awful um, from start to finish, and they looked absolutely awful in the first half against the Indianapolis Colts, and then something happened. The switch was flipped in the second half, and they went on that run, and, and they were able to complete the largest comeback in a regular season game in NFL history. And, and so that's a credit and a testament to the Vikings. Um, I think one thing that might benefit them as we get into the playoffs is their seeding, you know, that they're what they're slated to be what right now, the, the second seed in the NFC. And so they'll get a playoff game. If things continue in this direction, they'll get, they'll get a home playoff game uh, is what I meant to say. And so, you know, they'll, they'll have that opportunity potentially on the table Um, that could, that could benefit them in January playing inside that dome. They have such a bad pass defense and defense overall right now. I mean, the Colts, just put up 33 on them. They have the second worst pass defense in football. Um, and the run defense isn't great either. And, and you know, if if the Chiefs, and that's the thing, of the six teams, you see the Chiefs sort of down in some of the defensive metrics versus the other ones. The Vikings are way down there. I mean, they have the, I th- what, is, what is their defense right now? The fourth or f- they're the, the fifth worst defense in football right now. That's, pr- that's going to be the problem, I think, for them is – if they're playing that poorly on defense, and I'm not sure they're going to get a whole lot better, right? And it is, I will say this, it takes a lot from the defense to be able to pull off a comeback like they did, so a credit to them to some degree for that. But man, if you're going to play that level of defense and put all that pressure on Kirk Cousins, that just doesn't feel like what he is, right? Like, you play with a lead, you play when you're running the ball, controlling the clock a little bit with those weapons, Kirk Cousins could kill you. You make him play from behind the whole time, I'm not so sure that's a winning formula when you're playing high-level defenses like we have in Philadelphia, San Francisco, and Dallas, although I'm not sure what happened yesterday. Um, 
it's just there's such a clear difference to me in uh you know in what that is for them i i, I just it, it's going to be it's going to be tough it's going to be tough for them i think unless unless they out of nowhere pull some better defense out of their hat well look i think it's clear that they're a step below you know those top top teams in the conference um but i mean look they've all got flaws you mentioned it earlier in the show. The 49ers have Brock Purdy at quarterback who has played well, yep. but he's unproven, right? And we have no idea what things are going to look like for him when they get into the playoffs. Now, they do have a ton of offensive weapons, and they've got that elite, high-caliber defense, so that's going to help out quite a bit. But the Cowboys lost to the Jags. Um, I think the Eagles are probably the most complete team still in the NFC. But like you mentioned before, they struggled for quite a while against Chicago yesterday. Uh, so they, they're no, no team is perfect. Right. And you get to this point in the season where you're looking at uh, which team can overcome their flaws in the best way uh, to be able to make a deep run. And I think the Vikings, their flaws are more apparent and they're more visible uh, and they're probably more legitimate flaws than the other teams in front of them in the conference. But they do have the weapons in Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen. And, um, you know, Kirk Cousins can can win you football games, right? And so I'm not counting them out um, with the way the seating looks in that conference. You, you never know. They're definitely a, a tier below, but they could they could get hot. You never know. It's interesting. It feels like right there this juggernaut offense, and they're pretty good. But offensively, they're still behind five of the six teams I mentioned as the best. Kansas City, Philadelphia, Dallas, Buffalo, and Cincinnati. They're still behind every one of those teams offensively. Sure. If that, I mean, that's crazy. Uh, but it is. And, and that's where I think there's clear separation. San Francisco's a little bit further down the list. San Francisco obviously plays a different style of football uh, than those other five teams do. So that's acceptable, especially when you consider how good San Francisco's defense is. But if you ever don't think that this is an offensive-dominated league, if there are six teams, five of the six are the top five offenses in football. That's what's crazy. To take that a step further, though, and, and maybe this is some indicator of things, is there separation then defensively, and and that's by points. And, and if you go by points on the other end, San Francisco and Buffalo— have the top two defenses. Philadelphia is in the top six. Dallas is, is seven. And Cincinnati is also inside the top ten. So, you know, you got to go further down the list to find Kansas City. you got to go way down the list to find Minnesota and the Chargers. That's where it gets interesting. Now, injuries have played a factor for the Chargers, for sure. Injuries have played a small factor for the Vikings. Not, not as much as some of these teams. Um, I suppose we still need to consider the Dolphins as a team that could enter the conversation, but they're sort of like the Vikings, so challenged defensively, and the Chargers are, that that's what makes it hard to imagine because all the other teams, even the Chiefs who have struggled defensively, are way ahead of those teams defensively, and they're all ahead of all of them offensively. So it, there is clear separation between those six and everybody else, even the teams we wonder that could climb into it. So you you say all that, and I go back to what we talked about at the beginning of the program. I'm not convinced that right this second that the Kansas City defense is not in the same realm as teams like the Vikings and the Dolphins and the Chargers. Like they're they're kind of right in that same 
realm. They're not a defense like the 49ers or the Cowboys or the Bengals or the Bills. They're just not at this moment right now. They don't have the playmakers. They don't have the stats to back it up. Yeah, they have an elite offense, without a doubt. They're the number one offense in, in football. But if you're talking about the most complete teams, right, uh, I'm not sure that you can put Kansas City in that same conversation. Like, I know you want to say the top six teams in football, and you listed them all off. I, I mean, I would put Kansas City there maybe at number six, right? And, like, very, very, very closely uh, – about to fall into that same category as the Vikings and the Dolphins and some of those other teams solely based on the defense. Yeah. I mean, they're, I, I, they're ahead of the other team. They're, they're basically middle of the pack and, and the teams we just mentioned are bottom of the league and the other five teams are all top of the league defensively top, top tier. We'll say, um, and a team like Cincinnati, who's been playing so much better defensively lately, who is who is you know the numbers maybe a little skewed based on early returns, but the Chiefs also are a little bit better than all of those teams offensively too. So it's how much do you, you know how much more do you put on that side of the ball because the Chiefs of the six have the top offense right, and and that's despite these turnovers too. When it feels like their offense is leaving a lot on the table, so. Again, I think these those things happen because they're turning the ball over, both offensively and defensively. If they're not turning the ball over at a tremendous, tremendous pace for whatever reason this year, I think they'd be even further ahead offensively and not quite as far behind defensively. But you have to combine that in. The offense is hurting the defense the way it's turning the ball over. And that's not something the other teams are doing, which is an advantage to the other teams. I'm, tr- you know... I mean, you can go as simply as what what was the score when Kansas City played San Francisco, right? I mean, and that was that was when yep. McCaffrey only had two days to to prepare, but they beat him forty four to twenty three. They beat him by three touchdowns. Yeah. Um, so you know, it, it, and and Buffalo beat them by four, and Cincinnati beat them by three. So it, that's what makes it a little bit difficult because we we know that the Chiefs are capable of beating the Forty ers by twenty one points. But they're also capable of the Texans taking them to overtime. They're capable of getting up 27 to nothing against Denver, but capable of, you know, sweating out that win. The The range of possibilities is so much greater with the Chiefs. Look, if they don't turn the ball over, I, I think they're clearly the favorite, but they are turning the ball over. That's why I'm having a hard time with them. I, I, if they didn't, they'd be the best, but they are. But they so, do. I know, I know. <laughs> right. Do. So let's. So it, it, it's it's uh, going to mean that the last three games of the season are pretty meaningful, regardless of what happens otherwise. Because yeah. we need they've got to fix that problem, which they haven't it's been so, able to fix all year. It's so frustrating. It's so frustrating to try to pin them down. That's what makes the uh, the spreads so interesting and so maddening. Trying to bet this team. Right. I did some and research. I can tell you after the break on okay. uh, how the Chiefs have done against the spread. It's kind of interesting. Let's do that too, because you don't. The other thing about turnovers, real quick, before we get to that, you don't also don't want to see them not be the aggressive Chiefs that we know they sure. are, right? Like you, you don't want you don't want them to take that away either. So it, it's interesting. Eight six nine twelve forty. Yeah, let's let's find out. Tommy's got the numbers here against the spread. The Chiefs have been as tough as there is in football this year to try and figure out. We'll do that next on Sports Daily.
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Commercials are over. Yo, I haven't got all day. 869-1240. Time to get busy. This is Sports Daily on KFH. Jake Ball, Brock, Tommy Castor, Jad Chambers producing for us. All right, Tommy, let's go by the numbers. Chiefs against the spread this year. What do you got? Yeah, it's been bad. Uh, if you have wanted to try to make some money on the Chiefs, you might want to cover your ears because this has not been good. Uh, the Chiefs have only managed to cover the spread three times this entire season. The law or the the win yesterday, uh, they didn't cover against the Texans. That was the seventh straight game that Kansas City failed to cover the spread. They were, or they are, 0-6-1 against the spread in that stretch of games. So I guess the moral of the story there is to fade the Chiefs, right, and have them not cover the spread. You would think that eventually Vegas would shrink those numbers a little bit. Like, I'm I'm shocked that the Seahawks are, what, nine-and-a-half-point dogs right now. Um, because Kansas City has not shown that they can cover the spread really against anybody this season. Uh, yeah, like they're not going to change it because we're all going to keep betting the Chiefs, right? Because these perceptions are that the Chiefs are great and surely they can cover against the Seahawks, but they don't. And and that's, you know, we've been talking about that, whether it be with Chelsea Messenger or Trey Wingo, like they're not covering these lines because they keep turning the ball over. They were up 27 to nothing against Denver in the first half, like in a position that you wouldn't even let up, right? You wouldn't let up. And then what happens? Three picks by Mahomes. And all of a sudden, oh yeah, this is the NFL. You're not going to cover a big line when you throw three interceptions. It, it will never happen. But and don't so, you think we ought to like maybe stop betting on the Chiefs to cover? Like I haven't just, bet on I mean, the Chiefs. I haven't bet on the Chiefs to cover in a little while. I did bet I did bet them to cover the Broncos. I will say that because I felt like that was such a smash opportunity and it looked like like that was going to go the right way. But other than that, I, I don't know that I have bet them much lately because I think that their numbers are are, are off right now. 
Um, and that happens to teams all the time, right? I think it was happening to the Bills early in this season. Like, the numbers are just off. Like, we've all watched the Chiefs play, and you see that. Nine-and-a-half-point favorites against Seattle? That doesn't make any sense at all. Like, it yeah. was just like, nope. And at any point, look, they could cover these numbers if they didn't turn the ball over. They could sure. cover them easily. But they're but, – but again – Back to our conversation from the last hour. They could if they weren't turning the ball over, except they are turning the ball over right. a lot and and at one of the worst paces in football. And that's why they're not covering these numbers. So, yeah, let's stop. Now, where it gets really tricky for us, Tom, is we have to pick them in our picks at the end of the week. And it is hard to let it roll off your tongue. And credit to you for doing it last week. To, no matter what the line is, say, yeah, I'll take the Texans to cover. Like, ooh. That's that's hard to even get out. It will be less hard with the Seahawks, and I haven't made a call on that game yet this week. It'll be lesser because the Seahawks are actually decent, right? That that'll be nine and a half now to the Seahawks. It's like okay, well, what, with what we've seen and knowing the Seahawks aren't that bad, that one would be a little bit easier to do. Eight six nine twelve forty. We'll come back. We'll tell you what's on tap on the network today when Sports Daily wraps up after this. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.